The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I'm delighted to be joined by Patrick Feeney on this week's podcast. And I don't like saying, Patrick, that you're a country music singer because you're an awful lot more than that. But do you mind being called a country music singer? How would you describe yourself? Um... Uh, bollocks <laughs> we'll get to that later on in the podcast it's a bit, it's a bit too soon <laughs> I said I'd say it before you say it <laughs> two ends of it oh, um, I suppose uh, I, I, my background with the music um, was de- is definitely country yeah. um, with, the, with the music my dad was a country singer and he would have inspired me to uh, and encouraged me to um, the countryside of 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 uh, music, and that's what I felt comfortable when I was a youngster growing up singing. You know, it was Westlife was was on the radio, and but at the same time, so was Daniel O'Donnell, and it, that was what I was more uh, fond of. Um, I felt more comfortable singing, so I suppose I'd be described as a, as a country singer. Um, but the other love that I have with with the style of music is gospel. I love singing gospel songs, um, and. I found out, you know, over the last few years that uh, this seemed to suit my voice. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 apart from being a country singer, I'd, I'd like to be known, hopefully, as, as a gospel singer as well. Are you religious? Um, I would have beliefs, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, you're not like a Holy Joe. Not a Holy such. Joe, but uh, I, I would have, yeah, I, I, I believe in, 
in having guardian angels and and um, I believe in in that, that there's an afterlife. I feel that you have to believe. That's a wee bit of hope there, um, that there's an afterlife and uh, so I I would be I suppose semi religious. And where did the love from the gospel songs come in? Did you ever start singing in mass or? Yeah, well, when I was growing up, I I sang in in the local choir at home in Kolfada. Um so you know we we I would probably one of the first styles of songs I was singing was in the choir which was gospel um but I just I just I always loved the 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 type of songs that's um uh, in in gospel and I I I pick and I I pick and choose some different um different types of gospel songs like I love the songs that can tell a real story I love the songs that's based on a true life they give you a bit of a lift they do yeah well yeah. I, I think any of the songs that that you recorded that has been based on real life is half the success because people can relate with it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're singing it in concert with an audience or somebody's listening to it at home on the radio. They can if they can relate with the words in the song. Isn't that something very unique as well about country music? That there's a story nearly in every song. It's not like the modern pop songs that are just yeah. the same line over and over again. Yeah. There's a full story from start to finish. Yeah, there is. It's usually and it's usually in, it's it's usually always ended in, in sadness. <laughs> <laughs> he started there's, off there's, getting a job and finding a wife, yeah. and then he's dead at the end. There's a love life. There's a lover that that that's just gone, and uh, um, everything is is yeah. is heartbroken. And uh, but uh, I suppose it's true life. Let's go back to school when you were growing up. What was school like for you? Um, I hated school. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. When did you start hating school? Uh, probably from the second day in junior infants. Nah, no. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I didn't like school at all. Uh, my first days in school, and even in junior infants, I used to, at that time the teacher used to come and pick us up at the house. Yeah. And uh, I used to run and hide. Um, and uh, I, I remember one year being hiding out in the vegetable plot. Down between the, the stalks <laughs> and my mother calling for me. The teacher was there to bring me to school. And um but anyways, no, I, I I didn't like I didn't like school. I wasn't Do you remember why you didn't like it or what was it about it that you uh, really didn't want to I win suppose for? I didn't I, I was a bit of a gurrier when I was uh, when I was young, young. But you can't be a gurrier in baby infants. You probably can when you're when you're me. Was it the like <laughs> was it the teacher or what? Yeah, was it? I probably didn't I was Mammy's boy, you see, as well, and I was the pet in the house and uh, I didn't like being told what to do either and um very mischievous I was. But like look, when you look back it was it's all it was all innocent and, and it wasn't anything serious, you know. But uh I just I probably didn't I I was I, I was mad into firemen like and um, you know, when I go to school, I, I couldn't wait to get home to go out with dad to do the fireman. And I just w- was into that sort of stuff, like when I was growing up and wanted to be out and about and doing things and uh, didn't like to be in the classroom. And didn't, you know, it just yeah, academically, you know, um, I wasn't really interested as, as other people would have been. And did you stick it out till the end? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I went How did you manage to do that? And I went to college and studied sales and marketing and. You know, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed as, as uh, probably as time went on, especially in colleges, you know, yourself, Alan. <laughs> I didn't spend too long in college now. I enjoyed the parties now and, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, everything that goes with college life. Um, but uh, but you did awful well to stick it out until leaving, sir. When farming, like, farming is calling and you have a farming background mm. and you're there and you're stuck in it and you could have left at any stage and went into that full time. Well, it probably could have, yeah, but I suppose things are maybe laid out for you. I, I, I believe that. 
And, you know, it was laid out for me. But when I was in secondary school, myself and dad at that stage, we were playing in the pubs at the weekend. And I used to always go down to the local nursing home in, in Ballymore, where beside the school, uh, to sing for the, the people in the nursing home when they'd have their parties on um, at Christmas time and stuff like that. And I remember, you know, our, 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 when there'd be school masses, uh, the teacher would, would ask me, the principal, to would I, would I sing and play the music as well. So they could see the, the potential there um, in secondary school that they knew I was really interested in music. Yeah. And in fairness, they, they, they let me at it as well. You know, I was I was let go many times um, while in secondary school. You know, once the teachers knew I was going down to to play for the people in the nursing home and stuff like that, there was n- never an issue. They were always encouraging. I have to say. And um, would you have been one of these lads then that was out doing the silage all summer? Making, yeah, making I, a ball yeah. of money. No, well, not a ball of money. No, no. But uh, yeah, I'd be out and and uh, for the summer and um, I, I never worked with any contractors, but. Uh, I, I'd be working at home on the farm and um, just all the farm and duties I loved doing um, and so between that and, and the music it was going to be one or the other right so the the music went out growing up like as a teenager what was it like growing up as a teenager in your neck of the woods were you were you in the country yeah we were born and reared in the country in Battlefield Kulfada, Um and it was it was very rural had you many friends yeah, I had a good few friends. Um, you know, I was a lot of friends beside me that we would have been around the same age, like. So, but but where we were, like, it was rural, and uh, we lived at a kind of dead end road, so it was you wouldn't see too much traffic or people going in or out. But, um, and what kind of things would you get up to? Like, would you be building a tree house, or would you be? Oh yeah, we'd be always building at stuff messing with tree houses and messing with pallets trying to turn them into huts and yeah. and dens and um we we uh, I used to, I used to play a bit of football as well and we'd be at training in the, in the evenings and we used to do that t- together and uh, I'd done a bit of boxing when I was younger for a few years and we'd be going to training and we kind of if if wherever one went really there was three or four of us would go um so we we I had a good, I had a good, good uh, life when, when we were growing up and enjoyed, I suppose, everything, the normal things that anybody else would be enjoying. And was there teenage discos or anything like that? Or what did you do for the shift? Yeah, well, we, we, um, I was very cool. I, I had a tractor, thir- uh, Matthew Ferguson 35, that I used to go down to uh, the local pub for to play pool. And What age were you at this stage? Um, 16. Right, <clears throat> I've stayed sixteen. So it was insured and the whole lot. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be the you'd be the shit pulling up outside the. Yeah, bar. yeah. Well, I used to have, a, and before that, I had a donkey and cared. Um, Are you messing? No, no, serious, serious. Yeah. At fifteen. Yeah, I had a donkey and cared, and I had a donkey called Daisy, and she had a daughter called Snowy, and Snowy was was white, white donkey, which was very weird at the time, but I bought anyways the the donkey and the donkey or the daughter had to come with the donkey, Daisy and a cared. So, so you were pottering, you were doing laps of the village on a donkey and cart? Pottering around, yeah, down to the to the local, and uh, the girl that that owned the um, that owned the the pub, uh, Sharon Higgins, Higgins is in Kilfada. That's the pub we went to. I told her I would bring her for um, a spin on me donkey and cart. So, and did you? I did. Now I we lived a mile and a half from the pub, and it took me I'd say about three hours to get the donkey and cart down to her. <laughs> 
But she came up on the cart and she gave her a spin and sure luck. That's what that was the highlight now of of uh, of of. Uh, my and did years. you get the shift? Not from Sharon. No, she was way older than me. All oh, right, okay. But I got yeah, I got the shift later on in life. And were women impressed with the donkey and cart life? Well, I didn't really tell them when I was looking for the shift that I had a donkey and cart. <laughs> no. And were lads were lads looking for a lift and stuff like this? No. Ah, no, the burden at the time, you know. Um, uh, though when it would be, we we take it in turns going down. Driving, I had a, a friend, Jonathan Derrick, he used to drive a tractor as well, and sure, we all were, thought we were cool at that stage. Yeah. If you were able to drive a tractor and take it in turns, going down to the to the pub and, and playing pool and going for training and stuff like that. So, um, Were you were you good with girls? Like, were you confident as a teenager? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't really confident at all. Were um, you late, like, to the scene? I wasn't late to the scene, like, you know. I'd, I'd, uh, you chanced your arm? I'd still chance my arm, you know. But, um... Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, we went to the ch- teenage discos, and they were in Gurchin, where I'm living now. Um, and they were great. They were good. Like, and um, yeah. Time we got the shift, like, and yeah. Um, but look, it was it was all harmless, like you know. There's a video then doing the rounds on social media or on YouTube of you doing your first night launched as a band in a pub somewhere. Where, where is that? That's Higgins' single father. Right. Don't know with with La Bamba. Uh, uh, you look about 12 Yeah Well I was 16 Wow At the time yeah You all love this one I hope you're all in Love tonight was the first time I just I had I had recorded a song called I Fly Away and done a four track EP on the back of it because it just became it became popular at 16 years of age yeah yeah I, I recorded a, a song some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away it was it, it got a lot of airplay locally and then I said I'd organise a launch night yeah. Of the the four track EP, so I booked Labamba to back me in in Higgins, and we had a oh, it was a full house. It was, it was a fantastic night. Like I'd say, um, it was like a county final. The cars oh, were look, down the road. It was great, it was great. Yeah, all the locals came out and supported me, and and uh, it was fantastic. Now it was great memories. And uh, that was kind of really the start of it. Then I got a, a a bigger hunger, I suppose, for the music as time went on. Then after that, and I was playing at the weekends and going to school, and then I went to college. And um, and had anyone like so? Your dad was mentoring you. Yeah, it? yeah, dad was mentoring me. Um, and had anyone besides? Had anyone kind of on the scene or anyone? No, no, no. Myself and dad done it for about four years. Um, so like you're self-made like effectively well we you didn't have a famous uncle or a no relation that was no no my dad like was in a band for over 30 years and then he thought he was going to retire but uh, we started out then me and him doing a two-piece and we'd done that for a few years and but most of that time dad was would always do the emceeing and the introducing all i done was i was playing the piano or the keyboard and um i sang a couple of songs um and then I, I recorded the, the, the that song I'll Fly Away. Um so I began to sing a little bit more as time went on. Um but like before going on the road then full time I was I like I hadn't had any experience at all of we say 
to, you know, producing the show or fronting a band or anything like that. Do you remember coming off the stage that night? In Higgins's? Yeah. I do. I do, yeah. Can you describe that feeling? Ah, it was a, look, it was a, a great feeling. I just was so excited and... Like this, if so we can if we can set the scene for people that haven't seen the video, it's a small pub. Yeah, there's a stage, and then the, the ceiling is quite low, isn't it? It is. So your head was nearly touching the ceiling. It was, yeah. The place yeah. was rammed. It probably fits how many people? I'd say maybe like there was over six hundred that night, and <laughs> so it was probably double the, the that they were able to hold. It was licensed for one hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> there was six hundred people yeah. in there. <laughs> it was the, the, the had the windows open. There was as many outside as there was in, and they, they opened all the windows for the, the to let the music out. And uh, but it was just great. Like I mean, in Kilfada, a rural village, and just to see the turnout, the amount of people that came out was just. Was it the biggest night that was ever in Higgins's at that, up to that yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, it probably was one of the biggest nights ever. It was in Higgins's, yeah. And um, like all the bands would have played it down through the years, Declan Ernie and Seamus Moore and McFlavin, uh, Mc, uh, I, I remember seeing them all in it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for, for, for me to have a crowd like there, I was so proud and, and uh, it was just and such a boost. Did you feel like Elvis Presley that oh, night? Oh, I like Elvis, yeah. Absolutely. And what do you do next then, you know? How do you come down, like, did it go to your head a little bit? No, the following night, myself and dad was playing in Bundoran in the Bird's Nest, and there was about 20 people. <laughs> so so that's, the, that's the reality of it, yeah. So you came went, down to earth fairly yeah, quickly. We went from 600 to 20 people, and oh, I thought no. to myself, what did I do wrong here? Yeah. So anyways, that was the reality of it, and um, that was the, that's the way I like, that's the way, the music life, and that's the business. So... And of course, like at different times back then, you had no social media. No. You had no websites. You had nothing like that. It was just depending on the radio and the posters, newspaper and posters. posters. Yeah, yeah. And what did, like, was it, did you set up a wedding band or did you say, I'm Patrick Feeney, I'm now a country music singer? Or what, what, what was the next step? Well, the next step was, I, and I wasn't really prepared for it at all because I was quite happy just doing what I was doing with, with myself and dad. I was do, doing the, the, the day job. Yeah. And then we were doing it at the, playing music at the weekends and it was you know i was quite happy and hadn't expected to go any further and then i'd applied for the guards i was working at sales in sligo and uh i had done a, a um, an aptitude test for the guards and then i had passed that and it was called called to the next phase but in between that then i was i got a call from out of the blue from kevin McCooey from castle blaney kevin managed the likes of big tom and philomena begley um, the biggest down names down through the, yeah down to the years yeah. and Susan McCann and, and names like that and he said he had heard about me um, and that I recorded the song I'll Fly Away and he was managing a band called the Johnny Lockery Band at the time and Johnny had taken sick and he wanted to know would I be interested in joining fronting a band full time right so I did I thought Jesus, I haven't thought about this and, and uh, well he said would I go to an audition and I did a couple of days later, went to one, and I I got the offer and thought that was up until then I hadn't really thought about it, um, and it's something I suppose that I at the time I felt sure because if I had to do it, if I was going to do it, it was going to be full time. Yeah. So it would mean that we'd have to cancel all our own work that myself and dad had done, and they had left the decision totally up to myself. So I thought about it and thought, you know, sure I'll give it a shot. If it doesn't work out. I, the guards will be coming up in a few months anyway so did you feel guilty kind of dropping your dad um no because he had encouraged me so much to probably to go and, and do it 
Um, was he delighted for you? He was, and and he spent the like he spent two, if not three years, traveling with me every night. Right, because I was awful young, like I was nineteen at the time. Yeah. Um, but it, it all that's how it started accidentally, really, if you want to call it. But like I had a month over me, and I knew it was. I, it's, it's all I wanted to do But there was no drive Growing up I want to be a singer I want to be a singer No Honestly just, You just kind of fell into it Yeah To be honest There wasn't I had no desire to Go out full time with a band Like you hear these stories Oh my dad drove me around the country Because I was mm. so passionate about it No You were just Doing a gig Yeah And going home Yeah I, I liked as I said What I was doing But I was quite happy to do that At the weekend And do the day job And whatever and it's just money like uh, it's Just it's, a job It was a few pounds yeah. yeah Yeah But you know, there was there was always though like it was it was always there in the blood, you know. When I think back, because I you know I always had an interest in music, you know, as as well as having other interests. But I, like music would always went out like like at the came a time when I was playing with Eastern Harps and coming in, we were into under sixteen and was practicing football games at the weekend and I remember I I used to love football but up to when I started playing the music. You know, they were clashing with each other and I had yeah. to make a decision and I picked the music and the music was always my, my first choice of everything. And come here, how did the guards come about? Like you said to me that you couldn't be told what to do in junior infants and then you said, I might go and join the guards. Yeah, well, I suppose it was just uh, something that I thought might have been a good idea for a... Um, a steady income. For myself, yeah, steady income. And myself and the other guy that I was working with, a friend of mine, Gary Quinn, we applied at the same time and we both got the, the aptitude test at the same time and um, he went on to do to to, to uh, do the interview and he went on to be a guard and I rang them up and told them I wasn't interested. <laughs> I was on the road doing something I loved. Yeah. So, um, and I never, I never once regretted it. Like, I don't think the guards would have ever been for me really. Is he still in the guards? Oh, he is, yeah. Do you ever yeah. talk to him? Or? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. We'd be good friends. Yeah. Yeah. And does um, he ever say like... Fuck you! You got the right. No, job. no, is no. He, does he like it? No, he he likes it. Like, and yeah. I suppose he's what he would have. He, he'd have nearly his time put in now. And, yeah. And, uh, but like, he's sort of interest as well. But, um, yeah, I I never never regret it. It's uh, a thankless job, it. isn't it? Like, my sister is a, is a guard, and and uh, she likes it. She's based in Manhattan. Um, and she's done it for about maybe over thirteen years at this stage. But, um, that's it. That's interesting because all my life, all I wanted to be was a guard. Right. Growing up, I just wanted to be a guard, 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 guard. Nothing else. But I, I left school and I didn't have a leaving cert. I wish you were a guard, Alan. Why? I could call you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've plenty of contacts. <laughs> and then it didn't happen, and I'm delighted now it didn't happen because I just yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's a nice job. No, it's a tough job now. Yeah. It's got to be a very like back then it was it was an attractive job really. I suppose um, people probably had a bit more respect for guards back then. Back then, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was the guards or a teacher or, something, yeah. or a nurse or something like that. that and and uh, the, the work classes, good jobs. And I tell you one thing, they, they earn the money nowadays. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a brutal job. So There's no respect. No, no, it's brutal. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how the guards came about. What has, been the, what has been the highlight then of your career so far as, as Patrick Feeney? I suppose there's been, I can't define, I can't pinpoint on one thing that has been, because there's been, there's been many good things and there's been many bad things. It's a tough doggy dog business. Like it's really, really, you have to be really, really thick skinned. And the first few years was very, very tough um, and very hard. Um, Why do you have to be thick skinned? Because you're basically... 
you're a product and um promoters agents booking agents venues they only want you for you know it's based on numbers it's how good it's how many people you can bring into a place you're only as good as your last night to try and get into these places that at the start you would nearly have to nearly say you would do a gig for nothing to get into them right um so it was very tough at the, at the start to try and build yourself up to try and get a reputation and try and get a um your name going and um and pay a band and pay a band to keep a band on the road keep a van on the road pa managers uh, look it's just the the list is, is is endless like and trying to keep a band together it's just very very tough and it's ruthless like i mean you'd have lads would leave you for a fiver you know it doesn't as matter. in musicians musicians yeah 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 and did you did it ever come to an end um, did you ever pack it in? No, like I mean, a couple of times I took breaks. Um, I took a break for six months when I was um, 24, 25. I started on the road like when I was 19 and literally our, my, our manage, my manager at the time, sure, we were out on the road seven nights a week. I did my, I, I, I'd done 18 months without nearly, uh, without a weekend off at the start and we were like, you'd be driven into the ground. Yeah. Um. I took time off then, and and took six months out, and then uh, I a few years later, I, unfortunately, I I got sick and I, I had to take time off, uh, for a year. But apart from that, I, I I when I was able to come back, then I was, I'd learned as I said a lot of things over the the years and learned learned a trade, and I decided that if I when I did come back, I was going to look after things myself, and and um, and had working so hard. Um, contributed to the illness. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, what, very, was, very, what was the illness? Uh, Crohn's. I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease first, and then three years later, I got diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I had an eighty percent of my body. So I took at that stage, and I, 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 I'd been managing the Crohn's as I thought up to to them, but it had actually got into my bones, and and uh, I, it, it, you can get a. It ends up in a, a, thrice, a form of arthritis. So the two of them was, was kind of de- debilitating at the time. So and what kind of ailments would you have then from that? Joints-wise, a lot of pain. My feet would be swelling on stage. And, and at the latter end, I'd be coming off stage and having to put my buckets of ice ready upstairs to put my feet into. And just a lot of pain. I was in, 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 in my, my joints and my hips used to fuse on me as well. And I'd have to get injections, and I was on medication at the time, but it was it was it wasn't really working. Like, and I was working very hard at the time, and I wasn't letting my body rest at all. And I suppose I I couldn't get into my head the concept of of that I'd have to take a break because I was so young. Like, I was only I was thirty when I got diagnosed with the with the arthritis. I was twenty six when I got diagnosed with the Crohn's, and so I. I, at that stage, you know, you don't want to be told, Jesus, you know, you have to take time off and, you know, your your ailments are getting worse. So you're going to have to, to try and, and get it under control. And then a, a consultant told me one day, you know, he said, if you don't look after this, he said, like, it's, you know, you, you, it's going to get worse and worse. And he said, you you'll, won't be able to walk is it, at a certain stage. So I took the time off and I was glad I did. I got on the right treatment, got to the right consultant too, like, I suppose that's, it's all that, that that's a, played a, a big part and got on the right treatment and then uh, but all these treatments have side effects like and they help one ailment and 
they'll cause another ailment. But my immune system would be very low. But then, you know, I can manage it. And, and But I, I did decide when I did go back, I'd be on my own terms. I wouldn't be back out on the road five nights a week, 52 weeks of the year. I wouldn't be doing that. I'd, I'd, I'd scale it back, push it, or scale the dates back, do what I, what I was able to do. And when you don't have a, a manager pushing you and, and basically it is their job and that's not saying that it's not the manager's fault, it is their job to get as many dates and to keep the thing going like and yeah. that's all that we're doing but uh, that was a pressure, a huge pressure and stress that was, wasn't helping me or my condition either. Um, so once I, I, uh, I suppose, got rid of the, the stresses and... And how do you manage the condition now? Well, it's tr- treatment. I'm on injections all the time and will be for the rest of my life. And um, has, has the treatment got better? Is it new medicine you're on? Well, or? I'm on the same treatment for the last five or six years now, and it's been good. And I try and, and, and um, as I said, like I, I, between the treatment and I kind of, of look after myself a, a lot better than I was. Between it all and, and I, like if, if when, when we're working... I won't do any more than, than max three, three to nights a week. Um, and when there is busy times and when there is there is times that that happens that, you know, like we're gigging with the Amigos. There's a period there in, in January and February that you'll be out nearly every night a week. But I always make sure that, you know, I've, I'll have time off after the tour and just rest, not be on the go all the time. So do you ever suffer from anxiety? I suppose that anxiety I, I, I would, yeah, but there was a time where I would would have suffered when I came off the road that time, you know, because I was so stressed with with the with being in pain and, and frustrated of, of not being able to do what I wanted to do. And at a young age like that, like, you get very bitter in yourself, like, and you'd just be angry at everything. And I suppose if you want to call that anxiety, you know, that's the way I felt at the time and, and felt stressed that I, that I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. And she would be anxious, like, and there's times, I suppose, it's a general thing in, in, in life that, you know, if there's something important coming up gig-wise that you would be anxious enough, like, but... How did you control that? How Like, what did you do with that anger? Ah, uh, uh, well, like... The bitterness, like, how did you turn that around? It began really with when I did take the time off and I got on the right treatment. I, was, I wasn't on the right treatment, and when I got on the right injections, I began to feel better. And when I began to feel better... And felt that, you know, well, you know, I, I, I probably, because when I finished up uh, that time on the road, I didn't think I'd be able to come back at all the way I was feeling. And then when I did get time off and I got the right treatment, I did begin to feel good again. And I felt, and that's when I began to feel better in myself and less better and thought, well, you know, maybe there is, I, maybe I, there is a future for me. And was that the first time you realised that, God, I was awful bitter then a few weeks ago? Or a yeah, few ago? yeah. You didn't know at the time? No, no, I just felt back. You know, that I was just very, very angry and, and, and uh, that I couldn't do what other people my age was able to do, like, and everyone around me seemed to be fine. And, yeah. You know, but... Look. Did anyone ever pull you aside and say, look, Patrick, cop on, like, you're, um, being, you're being a bit of a dick, or... No, I was never a dick, Adam. How dare you? <laughs> you know, no, there like, was not. I was, I was, I... There look, was no, I, like, uh, there was no moment as such. No, it was myself that kind of gave the push then. Because right. my parents at the time and, and family, you know, had said that when the, the scene that I was better when I was off the road, didn't want me going back on the road, but I just do look at, I, I, I've been long enough on the road, I've had time enough off, I've had plenty of time to think, you know, this is what I want to do, but I'll, I'll control it myself. 
and so I, I won't be over I'll never be overdoing it and then when I do I'll make sure there's breaks that I can take so that's exactly what I've been doing and it's been and it's been working out 100% it's interesting when you say you know there's been high points and low points and you need to be thick skinned because from outside looking in I just see like the country music scene as this really kind of just a really brilliant scene to be on and everyone's friends and all the singers are friends with each other and everything's fantastic but it's a little bit more difficult than that like it's not as it's not a straight cut I'm not I'm not asking you to say like you're not Mm. friends with anyone but like at the end of the day you might be friends with a singer, but you're both competing in the same venue, the same Saturday night. Yeah, well, I think if that's you, tough. If you can, you you have to probably learn that it's it is a business, and your friendship is separate to it. So I would have friends in the business, but I still would know that at the end of the day, you know, it is a business, and uh, it's down to numbers, and it's down to the amount of people you get in at a venue. And if somebody, or a promoter, or an agent thinks that they can get another group that will have 50 more people in, they'll drop it like a hot snot. And that's the reality of it. If a band member thinks that he can get a fiver uh, off an, another guy, well, they'll drop you like a hot snot. That's, there's no loyalty to it. It's based on numbers. We work on percentages nearly all the time of doors. So that's how the promoters, you know, give you the, the, the work. So you're, you're only as good as your last show. Do you think about that much? Do you uh, think, do you, do you, like, do you find yourself thinking, God, what if I don't get gigs or what if that fella leaves me? Um, no, no. You're, and, you know, years ago, I would have. That would have stressed me out and be anxious over that. But, I, you know, as you get older, um, you get more thick skinned and I suppose it wouldn't cost me if a guy wants to go off with them. Like, you know, there's another guy always there to replace them. But should that make anyone sick? You know, if you had a bad night on Saturday night? Then you're waking up Sunday morning and wondering, are the venue happy? Is the promoter happy? Is the fucking fiddle player happy? Yeah. Is that to make anyone? I don't think about stuff like that anymore. I don't, you know, I, you just, I, again, it goes back to being thick skinned and, and you learn the trade as, as time goes on. I remember a Sunday night, three lads out of my four piece band gave their notice. I was playing the following weekend and three lads told me they were leaving. So I had four days to get three lads in, in a band to learn the program. I mean, you can imagine. Jesus. And us, and I was going hell for leather at the time and trying to run everything and being in a studio during the week, recording an album, doing a video maybe the next day and trying to run to, to get a band members. And they left three, three at the one time. And um, what would have caused them to leave? Like what, Another guy went on the road and their manager approached three of my lads to bring them and they all left at the same time. More money? Uh, more money, yeah. yeah. Um, but... Okay. But does but does that last? Like, I mean, you know, again, from outside looking in, you see a fella coming offering more money. Mm. There has to be a pro and a con to that. It's not as good as some fella ringing saying, here, I've more money, come and work for me. Yeah. Like, see, it, does, it doesn't last, like. It doesn't last, no. But then that's where some smart pe- people has takes the, can make a, a decisive decision, you know, and, and base it over... Some people base it over um, a five or a night and some people base it over the amount of work, the amount of gigs they're going to get. And just there, there's, you know, there's a thing called loyalty and there's not much of it in, in this business. But I've been very, very lucky. I just and at the, it's, it's, it's what I do, you know, and what I've done for the last few years. I only base myself around people that's loyal and that I think is good people. And it has it has worked. I don't base a guy that joins my band on their talent or their musicianship. I base them on the type of person they are. And the music comes afterwards because if you've good guys, uh, you know, 
it's so much better than having good talented musicians and having trouble and having disloyalty and you learn that as time goes on are you still enjoying it now as much as you did at the start i i do yeah now the last two years was absolutely shit it was absolutely (laughs) it was brutal like you know um i didn't none of us knew from month to month what was happening and what was going to were you nervous with your immune system first of all uh, i wasn't really no because you know sure we couldn't go anywhere uh, we were right. we restricted like to five kilometers so the only people I met was my was my parents like and okay. and, and family so you, you know we didn't go anywhere so the, the, from that end of it and you know I, I got the COVID and, and it was fine after it like so I, I, I didn't overthink it like because right. you could overthink it and, and blah 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 but yeah. but uh, you know now that we're back like and you know I, I, I love it I love the music and it's as it's in the blood and, and I love doing it I love uh, entertaining people and I just you know I love meeting people afterwards and even the few weeks when we came back there you know we didn't do a meet and greet because well the HSC was advised not to do it like it, it just felt wrong yeah. you know because part of the enjoyment for the people coming to see us and for us as, as entertainers is meeting the people afterwards and talking because these are people that I would call friends now there these are people that you know, you, you've built up a, a reputation and, and a relationship with, with people over over the years being on the road. And they're loyal. Like, I mean, if, if you pick a, up a country fan, they're with you for life, like, really. And you know an awful lot about them. And you they do, know yeah. an awful lot about you. They do, of and, course. And yeah. they get a photo with you and they tell you their whole life story or what's been happening yeah. in the last two or three weeks. And what I yeah. find interesting is you've Mary there that goes to the gigs. And then Mary, at the end of every Patrick Feeney gig, wants a photo of Patrick Feeney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has a hundred photos with you already. Yeah. But she won't leave the venue until she gets another one. Yeah. That's the thing I find very strange. Yeah, I suppose for them it's memories that they're building up. Yeah. Um, it's lovely. Like. Yeah. Like I'd never be able to go up to somebody and say, hey, can I get a photo with you? Yeah. But these people queue up at the end of the night. Yeah. And they might have got one the night before. Yeah. At a different venue. That's Yeah, that's very true. But it's, 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 per- it's part of, I suppose... A lot of people, it's part of people's lives, music is, especially country, is, as going back to what we were talking about, what's in the songs, you know, they're deep and it's, it, there's the story in it and, you know, so the people that you find that's into a lot of that sort of music, they're people that, that you know, it's part of their lives, it's not just something that they decide to go last minute, we go for a dance, they're people that they do it every week, it's part of their lives and... You know, you like to make it that bit special for people that when they do make, when they do go to the bother of getting ready or whatever and, and organising babysitters maybe and, you know, coming to see the show, you, you kind of, you feel obliged that, you know, we'll go down and we'll have a chat and, and that's how you get to know people and build up a relationship. So from being a very sociable person and out gigging and talking to people and meeting people, what did you do during lockdown then? Like, how did you deal with that? Did you, did you suffer a little bit of depression or anything or? no. No, thank God. What? Like, how? Like, how did you not? What, I, did, what did you? What did you replace it with? Well, I kept myself busy. I uh, kept doing the farming, and I tell you what I done is I did CPC courses while I was off, um, because I I I, I uh, loved driving when I was younger, and I had done my uh, lorry uh, test when I was younger, and uh, I never done CPCs, uh, so I went and I done them courses, and that then they would take. Um, so what's the CPC course? It's uh, for driving, for to get your license for your for a truck. For a truck, yeah. All right. 
So I I done um, five of them and um, five different licenses, five different courses, and then I applied. I went on and I done my uh, articulator test. Did you pass it? Passed it, yeah. And then I started driving. Was so dri- now you're an Arctic driver, like you've a license to drive an Arctic. Yeah. So and um, so I was driving. Yeah, I started driving then for um, uh, for Arivo. I was delivering meal around to farms, so it was great. I was delivering lorries. One but, stop job, like. No, you would go to 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 different to several different places. Like. Okay. So, but sure, like I was meeting people, I was out meeting farmers, and sure, I'd be talking there for ages, like, and which it was great. I was out meeting people again. Brilliant. And, uh, and then I was doing a bit of lorry driving for a neighbour of mine, Park O'Dowd. I used to deliver containers up to the port in Dublin. Handy gig. So that's what I that, yeah that's what I was doing, and then I went driving for uh, Super Value. It would have been the, the lockdown last year. So people, it was the second time, sorry, that we were into lockdown. Mm. And then I thought, Jesus, because I thought we were going to be going back on the road. And then I thought, right, no, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. And we went back into the lockdown that time in January uh, after the Christmas. So I thought, Jesus, I'll have to go driving probably again. So And uh, they came up a job in Super Value in Ballisadair delivering. I really enjoyed that. Like that. doing home deliveries? Home deliveries, yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Because you're, again, you couldn't go into people's houses, but at least could meet them at the doorstep. When you landed to the door, was there some people then went, Jesus, Patrick Feeney, how are you getting on? Well, see, I had the mask on. You had to wear your mask. So right. The majority of people never knew. They Did never, they not? They never knew who, who they were talking to. Were you anxious going up to somebody's house? Like, if you, say if there was a super fan and you saw her yeah. name and you're like, oh, Jesus, this one now, she's going to... No, there was an odd person that, that, that I knew, all right, and I'd I, I make myself known to them then. Well, you weren't embarrassed or anything? Not at all, no. I will lie, I, I just will put it down to basically work ethic. Like, I mean, I wanted to work, like, so I couldn't sing, so what else am I going to do? I'm, there's only a certain amount of farming you can do in a day. Yeah. And I want to keep my, my mind occupied, and I, I knew I had to, like, I had to be out there and about, you know, because I, I just, it, that's the type of person I am. So meeting people like even the lorry driving I thought you know I didn't I didn't stick too long at the lorry driving and I only done it an odd day here and there to help them out because I, what I found the lorry driving was grand but you're spending you're by yourself for long periods of time so <laughs> you'd be saying to yourself should you I be as well off home here like I'm not getting to interact with people yeah so then when this job came up with super value I mean it was it was great I was you were doing 15 16 maybe 20 calls a day right. to different people so and um, would you get tips? No, no, no not really. It's all paid for online. No, it's paid for, yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. But like, it was great. And the people that I knew then, I'd make sure that they, I'd take the mask off that they'd know who they were talking to. And you used to get a great surprise and I used to get a kick out of it as well. And oh, good. So, you know, like... And were you brought in for tea and coffee or... Um, was there anyone dragging you say, come in, come in, come in? There was a lot of time, yeah, yeah. You go in for, for tea or coffee and... Because and, uh, I just imagine you'd get nothing done. You mean, just, like no. people saying, come in, I'm not letting yeah. you go without a cup of tea. No, I, I would, uh, there'd be a few places that I would call into. But then, as I said, like, uh, you know, I'd have the mask on for a majority and people wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't know who it was like. Wow. Um, so there's people that got their shopping that know you and never knew you dropped Never knew. Never <laughs> oh, knew. that is brilliant. Never knew. Yeah, <gasps> it was good. It was, uh, yeah, it used to be, it was good fun though, but I met an awful lot of nice people like, you know, out there and... and uh, but I think people got nicer 
do you feel, do you feel that that people got a lot nicer during lockdown? The people had time to kind of reset and say, yeah, I think so. A lot of people got a, a time to reset, but then a lot of people, you know, since we came out of lockdown, they've, they've changed as well. Like, and they've, you know, the patience isn't as isn't as good as what it was. But in what sense, like I suppose, like people, some people has become has become very de- demanding. Like you know, some people, you know, be like there at the start when we when we started back and there was no meet and greets and some people would be upset that there was no meet and greets and would contact us after the show like that there's a little bit of that Uh, don't there's the odd punter that feels like they own a little piece of you yeah isn't there how do you deal with that probably is but you know i think it's it's part of the business and it's part of there is an odd person that, that that would think that and you feel you would feel maybe that you have to spend a certain amount of time with them, but but that comes the, with the territory and all yeah, that. Yeah, but the like, overall, like I mean, for for the one or two, there's twenty or there's thirty. That's that's great. Like so, yeah, you know, it, it's it's only the minority. Like and because I feel working in local radio, where people come up to you and say, "Which one are you? Yeah, and what's your name? And where are you from?" And asking you very personal questions because. Mm. You're, you're that fella from the radio and they, yeah. need, they need to know everything about yeah. you. Well, you see, they can, with, you know, we're on it with social media now. Everyone can find out straight away everything about you. Within the, and do you find that at the gigs that people are asking you about your new wife and oh, yeah, getting very yeah. personal? Yeah, but you make a decision, I think, when, you're, when, you're, when you are doing that sort of a job. Your personal life is going to be invaded, if you want to call it. You have to let them in. And you have to let, you make a choice on whether you want to let them in or not. You can hide it away if you want or not and I chose to not to do that so I love when people ask you know about myself and, and my family and uh, everything that's going on and because they've seen it on social media and you know yeah. I'm, I'm glad and happy to, to talk about it to them. And how does Claire react to things like that? She passes no heed you know like Claire never knew knew me as a singer as a singer right we met like during the lockdown and she was not. She wasn't into that kind of. No, she wasn't she's into that yet scene. to come. She's yet to come to see a show. Really? Yeah, she came to the Amigos, but that was it. She. she that's she, a very different. Claire would have never seen me perform on stage. She's no interest. No interest in, in jiving or anything no, like that. No interest in that music at all. But at that's all. good in a way. It is because she's has her own interests and she does her own thing, and she knows. I I have my, you know my job is music, her job is a jeweler, and that's it. Like and and so. When I come home, I I know that it's you know that I can switch off. Yeah, like from my my job, and Claire can do the same. And as I said, like she's she's no in, interest in 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 the music and and what I do. And you know, it's it's probably positive, really. What's the worst night you've ever had on the road? Like, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Do you ever remember a night where something happened? The speakers went down. The van broke down. Do you ever remember a night where you went, oh, Jesus, I never... Oh, I remember going about maybe five years ago to a show, to a gig was up outside Bally Buffet, and I got as far as Bally Buffet, and next thing, I went in to get a um, a chicken fillet, and I ate the chicken fillet, and my front tooth made absolute shite on my front tooth. Eating a chicken fillet? Yeah. Out of a chip shop, like? Yeah. Now, it was cooked on me before you ask. <laughs> It was my tooth that was wrong. Was the chicken alive? I had an issue with my tooth, but and I remember chase. I I couldn't actually. I couldn't go to the show to turn around and go back and it's up to a dentist in that night for to try and get it it sorted. And uh, you're very front tooth. Yeah. So I ended up having to get then a an implant done. But um, 
it was yeah that was because I mean you were going to a gig and you had to cancel the flipping gig over this something stupid that happened did your gear ever let you down or did anything ever balk in the middle of a gig and you just said no no, no. we've, we've um, well one well one show actually in Galway you were at it uh, the, oh. the, in the in the town hall, that's the only one show that really? we actually. And it's the only happen. it's the only one gospel gig I was at. So oh. you're going to tell me the one gig I was at that was yeah a, yeah. So you're there that was like funny. Now. Full house the next thing out onto stage, and the first song that the PA went. So yeah, but the, what happened was your monitors were blaring, mm. and you were you came out on stage and yeah. you were rocking it. Yeah. And we were down the front and we couldn't hear a thing. Yeah. <laughs> the speakers didn't work. No. So you came out, yeah, hey, buddy, and everyone's, yay. And he yeah. was straight into the song and yeah. you were up on stage rocking. Yeah. And we were down talking to each other going, I can't hear anything. Can you hear it? Nice no, thing. Yeah. And you, you didn't know at this time. No. And then no. you had to go off again. Yeah. What I found brilliant that night was you walked off the stage. I'm not saying it because you're sitting here in front of me, but you walked off the stage and you had to wait 10, 15 minutes. The speakers were being replaced. Mm. And the second you walked back, you had everyone in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Whatever you said that night, you said something, or you came out as if you you were just after walking out, and everyone burst into laughter. Yeah. And that's the one. That's the one thing that's very unique about you as well, is that you have people just eating out of your hand, don't you? Well, I don't know about that, Alan. But no, you definitely do, I'm, Patrick. There's something very. I like, just know. I know that, that that night, you know, we made a joke of it, and 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 I said to the people, now when I come out now. Just to make out you never seen me before. Was that it? Yeah. And we'd all pretend that this didn't happen at all. Yeah. And they did. And they, they played along and uh, <laughs> sure look. And you tell a good joke in the middle of a gig as oh, well. Oh, we do, yeah. Sure look, uh, there has to be a bit of humour. And, and uh, uh, as I said, you know, I just love to doing what I'm, I'm doing. And when I'm on stage, that's when I'm, I'm happiest. And um, let it be singing a song or telling a joke. And I think I've learned, to, I, I've got to, I can be myself now on stage uh, as time has gone on. I think that shows as well. Like, there's no fakeness going on. When did that realization come? When did you When did you say right? But I think when I came back, um, manage, and when I was managing myself, and and when I came back, I was able to control, and say the the pressures that was that was on me, and I was able to relax and enjoy the gigs better when I knew the, when the pressure was was off me. Wow! And um, that's when people got to see, I suppose, the real Patrick Feeney and. Uh, when we started doing the concerts then with the Amigos people was able to because at a dance you're you're belting out the songs one after the other so people can't you know you're not doing much talking really at a dance right. but then when you go to a concert you can do a bit more talking and people kind of get to know you a bit better and that allowed me then for to you know talk a bit and people then began to realise you know Patrick Feeney he has a bit of a personality he's, yeah. and he can be funny and, and witty and whatever and they get to know you the, the, and that was a positive, thank God, for me. What's it like being part of the Three Amigos? It's great. It's great. Like, we, Are you just saying that now? No, we fought like hell at the start. Like, What like, do you mean, For put a time frame on it for people that don't know. So for people that don't know, the Three Amigos is made up of Jimmy Buckley, Robert Mazel, and Patrick Feeney. Yeah. Three of the biggest country stars in the country came together. And now it's this big, massive powerhouse that tours the country for a month or mm. a month and a bit every January, February. Yeah. How long are you together? Um, a little over 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. So at the start, you got together, you were three boys with the chests out. Yeah, tr- three Trying eagles, to outdo each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Ego's big as uh, one, as uh, big as the other. But, you know, like, it's like a band of brothers. Look, uh, we, we could be killing each other one minute, then we'd be fighting for each other at the, <laughs> another minute. And what kind of stuff, like, 10 years ago would you be... 
round who's about. going to go on first, but who's going to be finishing the show, who's going to start the show. And the format has completely changed now. At that time, one would go on and do half an hour, another one would go on and do half an hour, then another one would go on and do half an hour. You'd be, you know, fighting over stupid stuff. Right. You know, you feel that you had the right to do this song or that song and take someone's song and blah, 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 and fight oh, over Oh, because you might have the same song, but it'll be, this is my song, that's well, my song. that sort of thing, yeah. And, and uh, look, there was all small, all small sort of stuff, like, and, you know, we, we are tiring all that out, and that, that takes time. It just, just takes time. And have you had the same manager since day one? Um, with the Amigos, yeah. Joe Finnegan, yeah. How yeah. did he manage that? Oh, it has to have been the biggest nightmare, say, of his life. <laughs> Yeah, until like, he was counting the money at the end of the night, uh, he said, "There was nights. Ah, it's worth it." There was nights. There was nights we were playing in a hotel, and we'd all have to get a room by, by, by ourselves. We couldn't change with each other, and we'd be on, you know, side stage. None of us would be talking to each other, and we go on then, and whatever the hell it was in the, the magic of the show. Once that, once that mo- note started, and once we got on stage, everything was normal, and we come off then, and we mightn't speak to each other until the following night. <laughs> <laughs> Joe would have to then you'd be sending a text on Joe would you mind get, I want a room tomorrow night for myself to change in I don't want to change with the other two boys and it'd be the same then you arrived in there'd be three different rooms oh he had a Joe had a, had a, had a I don't know how he, stick, he stuck it but and he's a well known broadcaster like he's a, a full time job yeah, yeah. a current uh, affairs show yeah he doesn't have time to be booking a room for Patrick Feeney because he doesn't no. want to be in the same room as... Oh, that's Robin the sort Zach. of shit now that was going on. Like, and and it was like, all nonsense. All nonsense, but, you know, you look, we look back at it now and we, we do laugh and we're, we're, we're closer than we've ever been. Like, you know, we, we just... The three of us get on so well. And that's genuine. Yeah. Like, we... we was this year more special than ever? Absolutely, because we've been apart for so much and... We hadn't, you know, there's such a buzz from, from, from the audience at a Three Amigos concert. You know, they, they, it, it sells out no matter where it goes. It's always huge crowds. There's such a reaction from the audience and the participation. If there's a drug out there that would give the same feeling as there is up on stage with the other two guys. But it's certainly something that's never be replaced. And If Patrick Feeney, Robert Mazel, and Jimmy Buckley walked in through that door 10 years ago, and you're sitting there now. What would you say to them? I'd say, well, you fuck off, lads. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously now, what would you say? The, the three books here now that, that have an opinion of themselves. And here they are now, they're going on tour thinking they're this shit as the three amigos. And they're going to, they're going to break Joe Finnegan's heart now for the next few months or years. Yeah. What would you say to them? I'd say, dears lads, you're up for a tough battle. Um... But no, sure. Look, did they make it hard on themselves? We all did. We all made it hard on ourselves. Like we would have, we could have made things an awful lot easier for ourselves. What would you do different? Um, I suppose the format of our show. Like now we're on stage all together at the same. You know, we sing a couple of songs individually throughout the night. But that's it. You know, the format of the show when you look back was wrong at the start. Because um, you were competing. Yeah, exactly. And now we're we're on the show. The three of us on stage together. We're we're doing songs together, which we should have been doing, but those are things that you need, you had to do and um, figure out. Thankfully, the the punter stayed with us, and now they've they're they're getting they're getting a serious show. It's so it's so well produced and so well rehearsed. Like it's with a fantastic band, great producer and Jonathan Owens. Joe's a great manager, and his wife Claire. They do they're on endless like they're 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 never off the 
but they're never off. They're they're working all the time, and you know the the package is great. The three of us is 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 we're both very individual, unique singers, and then when we come together, there's the magic there. That you said there, like when you were coming off the stage, it was like a drug. Yeah. Did you ever try drugs? No. Never. No. Did they ever present themselves like in front of you? They don't seem to be kind of. No, you see other people taking them or whatever, but. Not really like on the country scene, would no, you? No, no, not, I can't say it. Like when I grew up DJing in nightclubs, they were everywhere. Yeah. And like, no. any amount of them. But no. isn't it great that it never came across to that kind yeah. of scene? Yeah, yeah. Strongest drug now, I'd say, that was in our company was the brandy. And testosterone. That's it. That's it. <laughs> the horn. <laughs> the horn and brandy. That's it. That's it now. Is there anything you would do different? I can't say that I, that I would do anything different, really. Is there anything you regret? Looking back through the years. Is I don't a, think so. I wouldn't be that that type of a person. You just get on with it. Yeah, I don't look back. I, I, I look forward and I uh, I don't look back with regrets because sure, look, I, everybody, if you were to, to analyse things and, and ask them, you know, how to do different, sure, of course to do things different. But sure, you just, you learn by your mistakes and you move on. And uh, as I said, I, I, I don't look back, I look forward. What advice would you give somebody getting into the country music scene now? Run like a fucking hero. Ah, you wouldn't. I would say run a mile. Why? It's it's tougher now than it ever was to... to, to In what sense? Well, financially, like to to launch a band and uh, keep a band together. It's very expensive to start all that up. Like, and it's a big, big risk. Like, somebody has to to write the check for it. Like, I mean, there's no huge record companies out there that's going to sign you up. And you have to do it all yourself. And... um, I just think that it's it's a big burden to put on a young girl or a young person or guy, um, and it's a very very tough business. I just think there's there's other ways in 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 life that you can make a living, and uh, just now now it's as I said, it, it is a lot tougher for to 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 break into that scene and to just to, to if you have a hit, it's definitely half the battle. But I mean, it's like looking for a, a needle in a haystack. Um, is it harder for females than males to break it? I'd say it probably is. Uh, years ago, it probably wouldn't have been. It, it is. It is harder for females. Why is that? I don't know why. I. I. I, I think, and it's only what I, it's only my own feeling that I. I think it's 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 maybe, the audiences, people going to dances. Ladies like to go to the dances and their part. They bring their partners with them. Yeah, and. They don't want to be looking at a hot woman up on stage. Vice versa, maybe that's it. Yeah, there's, there's a. It's, it's, maybe it's interesting you should say that because when I was in my early twenties, I worked for an entertainment agency in Dublin, and we managed wedding bands. Yeah, and I'm not going to say the name of the wedding band now, but there was this eight-piece wedding band, and they were the best band in the world. They had brass, and sure, there was no wedding bands that had brass at that. You know, mm. like there were huge money at the time, but they couldn't get a gig because, and they didn't know why they couldn't get a gig because they were unbelievable. But the lead singer was female and she was absolutely out of this world. Yeah. Stunning. And they didn't get any gigs and then the band fell apart and whatever. And then it came back then as another band, but this lady didn't come back. Mm-hmm. But a new lady came back. And this is a true story. I'm not making this up and I, yeah. you know, I'm not sugarcoating it. But the new lady that came back wasn't as striking as the first lady. Mm. And they were booked out every night of the week. Right. But the actual band members themselves were the exact same. Mm-hmm. But there was talk that maybe, and they were doing mostly weddings, yeah. and that the bride didn't really want to be upstaged at the ni- you know, on the night. Yeah. 
by this beautiful lady dancing on the stage because it's my night. I want everyone kind of looking at me. Yeah. Would there be a little bit of that in it? Uh, I don't think so. No, I, 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 I think it's just in general, like just the type of a business. It is harder for, for a female to make it. I don't think it it'd be anything to do with that. Not now, like and and it's 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 just a type of a, of a business, I suppose. The audiences are, would say, 80, 20, 70, 30 women. So it's the women buying the tickets. It's yeah. the women buying yeah. the CDs. It's the women yeah. buying the. And I just don't think they're they're probably as into following a female is probably isn't okay. as into following a female act. Right. You know, and, and that's really kind of where I, I think it's at. Um, and it's tough because this, but you know, there is there is work there and in different in in, in different types of the the music business and uh, where women are being very successful and, but it's 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 just hard it's it's, it's hard like I mean you're you're on the road and it's rough living like if, as as glamorous as people may think it is like and yeah. you're living out of a suitcase and you're going from place to place and um, long hours and. You could be in Wexford tonight and yeah, Donegal tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, it's if you have family and and stuff like that. It's sure it has to be hard on females as well. Do you worry about staying relevant? I I don't really know because I've also began to to realise that um, long before this that you know you are as good as your last show and may all in tomorrow like but all you can do is your best and. Don't worry, like, there's no point in, in overthinking it, like. Did you ever find yourself being consumed looking for the next hit? What was your biggest hit? Probably Red Haired Mary. Keep your hands up, Red Haired Mary. Her and I will soon be wed. We'll see the priest this very morning. Tonight we'll lie in a Did you ever find yourself thinking, oh, geez, I need another Red Haired Mary. What's it? What is it? Uh, yeah, I, I I, would always be looking for that, that's, that song, that next song. But it just song. doesn't consume you, though? No. No, because I like I released. I believe I believe really was 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 as big a hit as 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 Red Haired Mary and a completely contrast, completely different. I uh, you know it's a gospel song. My biggest reaction that I get with with audiences is from a song called The Holy City. It's completely different than to Red Haired Mary. I I think I've learned as well to look for songs. I know which songs suit me and which songs don't. The Holy and City, is that the Jer- Jerusalem song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're like, the windows would break in the house if you started singing that there now. That's a belter, like. It's a it's a big song, yeah. There's very few people in the country that could sing that, let's be honest. Well, maybe there is, I... I... suits me and, and it works for me and, and you know I, I just perform it at the concerts but no matter how big a song is you're always looking for another song anyway so and sometimes it comes along sometimes it doesn't but keep searching If it all ended tomorrow what would you do? Um, I'd probably farm until I lost all my money <laughs> really Are you another one of these that says oh there's no money in farming? Yeah there isn't not where I'm oh, from but Why are you all at it then? It's a hobby I do call it it's my golf some people will pay some people will pay up in 10,000 20,000 for green fees a year and for to play golf and I'll pay any amount of money that I can at the moment anyways to to farm. And you've one of these magical stories where you met a lady during lockdown. Yeah. And it was a whirlwind romance mm-hmm. and you got married. Yeah. Where did you meet Claire? Yeah, we met on online on, on Tinder and uh Claire's in Sligo. So 
she's a half an hour away from me. So we started to, because of lockdown, we could only go on, on dates, coffee dates outside, um, different places. And so, uh, yeah, we, we started seeing each other and they, th- things went from strength to strength. And then we were able to go on proper dates when things opened up again. And um, it ended up being the most positive thing that uh, that could have come out of COVID for me. Uh, because a few months later we moved in with each other and we was were she li- still working? Yeah, yeah, okay. Claire was still working, yeah. And um it ended up that, you know, we weren't living long together before I knew that this is a woman I could spend the rest of my life with. She's a fantastic person. Really, really good. We just get on so well together and she's uh, very genuine and I'm delighted that delighted that uh, in a way is that she got to know Patrick Feeney you know, from just being at home and going doing his job, jobs here and there. And she didn't know me from being a singer or what it was like to, to be with me touring here and there. And now she does. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that's the way it happened. Uh, that it was the way we met, like. Uh, were you on Tinder long? No, genuinely wasn't. I, I something I went on when I was on, when, on the, when the pandemic happened and yeah. I just said, decided... Frig it, I give this a go. Anyway, then everyone's on about it and went on it and was on it a couple of weeks. I hadn't met anybody and clicked on Claire and, and we both liked each other. And uh, I asked her if she wanted to meet for coffee. And the first time she turned me down, she said that she was afraid with the COVID. Right. And then about a month later, we were still messing, messing each other and decided that we'd I'd ask her again. And she met me then and... Uh, that was it. That was the only date I went on, on Tinder. But you're so well known. You must have been plagued on Tinder. Uh, was there women messaging you and then saying, how are you, Patrick? There was a few. And, yeah, there was, yeah. But that, I, I knew that was going to happen and Sherlock, sure, it was... Was that a turn off? No, no, no. It was, sure, it was a bit of crack, really, I, I thought at the time. like. Right, okay. So, but... Um, but it so, makes sense to meet somebody that doesn't know you as Patrick Feeney. The same yeah, way. it was lovely. It was lovely, like, I mean, because... As I said, like Claire didn't, she knew of me, all right, but she, of, of, she knew my name, but didn't know really what I knew I was a singer, but didn't know, you know, what I was doing or what I was at or yeah. blah, 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 anything like that. Where did you get married? Uh, we got married in the church in outside Ballastadair in Streamstown, and uh, we had the reception in Mercury Castle. Wow. So Why uh, Mercury Castle? Well, it was the first date that myself and Claire went properly. We, we went away for her birthday and we went there to Mercury. And where I suppose we were both sitting down, we learned about, we learned this later on, you know, in the relationship. But I was thinking to myself, God, this is a stunning place. I'd never stayed in it before. It was beautiful. I didn't think you could stay in it. You could, yeah. I thought it was exclusively for weddings. To me. It was at the time, but, it, oh, but right. you see, when they had opened up, they had no weddings. Right. And so they were do, doing offers at the weekend for people to come and stay. Lovely. So we went for a birthday and um, I was thinking to myself, Lord... I ever got married this is where I'd love to and she was thinking the same right. so forward on a few months and uh, when we got engaged we just said to ourselves you know we spoke this is the one place we, we wanted to we were going to stay there no matter what or we're going to book there no matter what but it can go to anywhere else we just went straight to Mercury and booked it it's beautiful like it's really really gorgeous and any headaches coming up to the funeral? What was the biggest headache you had? The funeral? Or the... Jesus, the funeral. <laughs> God, any, any, any headaches coming up to the wedding? No, there wasn't. Did no. you enjoy organising it? I really enjoyed it because we had time off. You see, we had the time to plan it. We had time to do all this stuff. 
all the stuff that you have to do getting ma- in, in you enjoyed all that enjoyed it all because we were working under pressure right. we had our courses done you have to do a marriage course and papers done with the priests and stuff we had all that done in loads of time we had uh, everything booked in loads of time we had you know uh, there's loads of things to do in the run up to a wedding but we had it all done in so much time like I'll give you an, an, an instance the day before we actually got married we'd everything done so and planned so well in advance the day before we went off down I, I realised I fit it on my ring it was too big for me I went to both of us went down and I suppose when the bride would be going round with her hair falling out of her head with stress and whatever we went off and we just had a we went for lunch the day before we got married and just strolled around the town wow um, that is that was as relaxed as we were like and were you uh, nervous on the day? Um, uh, well, a little nervous, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's the biggest day of your life. It w- would that be the most nervous you've been in a long time? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and what kind? But of, it was a happy nervous. It was, yeah, but that's interesting. Like you can go on a stage to thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, and you don't really get nervous. You just go out and you just do it. No, but this is a big, the biggest. This is the biggest moment of my life. Like. So um, do you remember your feeling? What were you feeling when you're standing um, at the top of the church? I was I was feeling happy and, and nervous, but uh, you know excited to see Claire in her dress. I'd right. never seen it. And I remember when I turned around to see her coming up, just the butterflies hit me and I just I just hit me and thought, Jesus, she looked absolutely stunning. Yeah. I just thought to myself, it's amazing, you know. I'm punch, I'm punching here. It's amazing what makeup can do. Like, <laughs> God forgive you. <laughs> no, God back, forgive no, no. you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Did she leave you waiting long? No, no. About only about fifteen minutes. I mean, I I do play at weddings as well and the churches. And my God, some of the brides they be up to nearly an hour. Would they? Oh, late night on the run up to the wedding. I was saying to myself, my God, I hope to God, like clear God, because I'd feel sorry for the groom at the top of the altar, like yeah, especially the ones that that that, that, that be's nervous, like. Nervous that she's not going to show up. Well, I suppose just nervous <laughs> with the whole thing, like so. Yeah, yeah. Are you happy? Very happy. Yeah, yeah. I can honestly say I'm very happy and content. Yeah. That's brilliant to be able to say that as quick as you said it. Um. Well, you know, I'm 39, so like, I think I found out at this stage what makes me happy and what it doesn't. Have you any goals, or are you um, just kind of taking it as it comes? Taking it as it comes, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't there's there's no point in planning. Too much in advance, like so. Yeah, I take it as it comes, and um, that's really it. You're a great man for telling a joke on stage. Have you got a favorite joke? To uh, uncle Matty is my favorite. Yeah. What's that? It's about my uncle, my uncle Matty that got married. Go on. Does it take long? Oh, Seventeen minutes. <laughs> is it part of the show? Like that? Part of the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Does yeah. it take? Will you tell us it? Well, it's about my uncle Matty that, that got married and he had a bad experience on the night of his, his, his marriage. I rang him up basically the next day because my mother told me he was upset. I rang him and he was very upset. He talked to me for about a half an hour about his wedding night. Right. So he just advised me. He said to me at the end of the conversation, if, if, uh, if I, or when I get married, if I have the same experience of that he had in his wedding night that I'd be well and truly f- fi- finished. <laughs> and uh, so th- I can I can tell you if you want, I can tell you what he told me. Yeah. If you want. It's in the terms of a song, of a song made out of it. Right. The chorus is side by side, so. Oh, so the audience have to join in? Yeah. 
Lovely. Right. You, you sing it with me. Go on, try. I have right. a note in my head, but I'll try. Well, it's only three, three, it's only three words here. Right, shall I try it? Right. We got married last Friday. My girl was right there beside me. Our friends were all gone. We were alone. Side by side. We were so happily wed when she got ready for bed then. Her teeth and her hair she placed on the chair side <laughs> by side. One glass eye so tiny, one herring ate so small. Then she took off one of her legs and placed it on the chair by the wall. Sad part. I stood there broken hearted. Most of my girl had departed. I slept on the chair because there was most of her there. <laughs> side by side. That's how it goes now. Oh, brilliant. And before you ask, Alan, my wedding night was completely different. Was it? Completely. Okay. Patrick, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us. No bother, Alan. And more importantly, thanks for being so honest. No problem. Because I'd say there's a lot of people that would struggle to be as honest as you did today. It's not easy. Well, I don't know about that, but sure, look. You have to go through a bit of living. Absolutely. To be that honest, don't you? Well, maybe so, yeah. goes with time and, and as, as, as you said there, um, years of, of, uh, of life, I suppose. Yeah, so. And the moral of the story is just stop giving a hoot. Yeah. Live every day now, take every day as it comes and be as happy as you can. Thanks, Patrick. Keep her lit. Good luck. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie